result. You are now tuned into Pulse Pounding with Mickey Dillon. Attention everyone, this is your host Mickey Dillon, welcome back to another episode of Pulse Pounding. This is a public service announcement that I am single and ready to mingle. Summer's coming hoes, get ready, this motherfucker is officially back on the market. Taking a sip out of my Jeffree Star Cosmetics tumbler just to keep problematic. Honestly, I need to know that motherfucker's secret because I am on the same wavelength. All he talks about is all these rappers and athletes that are undercover that are in his motherfucking DMs. And I am calling on all of them. Send me a message, okay? Because I am a good secret keeper. I am not telling no motherfuckers. Slide in, bitch. (laughs) Unless you are under six foot because my new very shallow requirement is six foot and above. My last most recent ex was six foot, but before that I dated a 5'11 guy. Actually, was he 5'10 or 5'11? I don't know, but they fit into the same category. Here's my theory on 5'10, 5'11 guys, okay? They are not quite short enough to be considered little, to be rejected by women and gays for their short height. They are not quite little enough to have a little man complex. However, they are not tall enough to have the tall boy swag. You know what I'm saying? They're not tall enough to be attracted to solely based on their height. Or sometimes if a guy's like a five, but he's super fucking tall, he's automatically a seven or an eight. You don't have those capabilities at 5'10", 5'11", okay? I am a 5'9", motherfucker, but I am looking for men who are taller than me. The role I play in the gay (laughs) is to be the shorter party, so I'm good where I am, right? I would actually almost prefer to be a little more fun-sized, but I'm happy with where I am. Beggars can't be choosers, you know? But 5'10", 5'11", guys have this weird insecurity where they're not quite short, but they're not quite tall. They're just kind of stuck in the middle. They have middle child syndrome. And what does that turn out to be every time? A motherfucking asshole, a douchebag, a nasty piece of shit who's going to ruin your fucking life. So do not date guys who are 5'10 or 5'11 because I will not be doing that fucking shit any longer unless they're like super emotionally intelligent and stable and then you can hit me up (laughs) but on the real don't and to be honest with you at this point in my life at this stage where i am right now i am not looking for a motherfucking thing we have some stories for another episode to talk about all the men who have been in my phone I don't know where these men are coming from. Okay. Well, I mean, I do, but (laughs) that's besides the point. I swear to God, 2020, I was single for a hot minute. We're going to get to that. And I was looking cute. I was looking slim. I was looking tan. I was looking good. I was feeling good. And no motherfuckers were up in my bullshit. And now that I may be the fattest person in America, (laughs) obviously that's not true. I don't want to hear the shit in the comments. Don't give me the body shaming shit when it's to myself. Okay. I do not look good. I do not feel good. And I cannot get these motherfuckers to leave me alone. I have a wooden Louisville slugger that I keep in my room. In case someone tries to break in this apartment, I'm going to break their fucking face with that. And I am having to swat these men off of me and out of my phone with this wooden Louisville slugger. I should have brought it for dramatic effect. This is not a drill. If you are 5'10 or 5'11, stay the fuck out of my DMs. (laughs) 
because you know you don't have my motherfucking phone number. I'm just waiting. It's like two o'clock in the morning and I just sat down to do this. I've had like an emotional roller coaster for the last hour about recording this episode. I have honestly avoided this for so long and we'll get into the story because I wanted to do it in the most respectful way, right? Like this is not like stimulus check X, but we'll get there. I have been for the past hour trying to pump myself up with some music and set everything up and get going, get some caffeine in me, cheers to that, and really get myself going to talk about this because I've avoided it for so long and I want to get everything out and do it in the best way. This kind of feels like a therapy session for me. I don't go to therapy and some people tell me that's fucking stupid and I should, but I have not had good experiences in the past. (laughs) So my best friend who I tell absolutely everything to, she knows me almost better than I know myself. She's basically my wife at this point. I tell her absolutely everything. And then I come on here and I talk to you guys and I feel like I get to vent and get it out and everyone responds and, and tells me their own stories. I feel like that is my form of therapy. And if you don't like that, you can shove it up your fucking fat ass. So I was pumping myself up with some music, trying to feel good. And then I had everything on shuffle and some emotional ass music came on. Okay. Miley Cyrus set me off first with Slide Away. Then Tori Kelly came on right after. It's like my fucking Spotify is trying to ruin my mood and bring out the tears. (laughs) And then Tori Kelly came on and hit me right in the fucking face. And she is one of my favorites and she gets me fucking emotional. So thanks a lot, Spotify Shuffle, for ruining my fucking dance party. You know, trying to pump myself up with some Nicki Minaj and a Hannah Montana bop that came on fucking Shuffle. And here I am trying to make bets with myself. Am I going to cry at some point during this episode and have to edit it out because I will not let everyone hear or see my emotions? So far, I'm okay. However, that was not fucking very nice of Spotify. So now I am pissed and I might have to sue. I will be contacting my lawyer, Spotify. (laughs) So I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about what exactly do I want to talk about, right? Because my last breakup before this relationship was the stimulus check. I think I called him fake Gucci in the episode where I talked about my relationships because that motherfucker was a poser. Okay. So that was a very different relationship in the sense that first of all, I was younger. I met him when I was like 23 turning 24 and we broke up when I was 26. So just shy of three years, that relationship, that relationship was very different in the sense that it was always very surface level. He was very surface level as a person. And there was a lot of shit that I learned in that relationship in the sense that I didn't ask enough questions about certain things. And I always wanted to be the kind of boyfriend that didn't cause fights about shit because my first relationship previous to that, I was very young and I was very emotional and I would react in a way that was very emotional to things. And rightfully so, because a lot of the situations that happened back then were fucked up and I shouldn't have tolerated it. However, I didn't always love the way that I reacted. So throughout my 20s, as I've grown as a person, I'm very conscious of things I don't like about myself. I'm very conscious about what my strengths are and almost like celebrating to myself in my mind behaviors that I think are positive and and things I want to remind myself that are good to have that I do. But I'm also very aware of behaviors that start to turn into patterns that I don't want to continue to repeat, right? So I've made so many adjustments throughout my 20s in so many different areas with how I handle situations and how I handle specific people and specific relationships with friends or family members that might be difficult 
and are still people that I want to have in my life at some capacity, but teaching myself that sometimes you can't have certain people too close and you need to be able to put an arm out and create a distance so that you feel healthy about it and you don't react in a way that is negative or stressful or causes you some type of pain, if that makes sense. So I've done a lot of adjusting in my 20s in that way, and I'm very proud of that. So I brought that into the second relationship, but almost wasn't 100% there yet and having it figured out, right? Like I got my associates (laughs) in healthy ways of handling people, but I wasn't quite at my bachelor's. And then when I got my bachelor's at the end of that relationship, going into the next relationship, I was still studying for my master's. inappropriate emotions and how to handle things in relationships. And I don't feel like I finally achieved finishing up my master's program until I left this current relationship. And now I think I'm just about ready for my doctorate or my PhD. I have gotten my shit so fucking together emotionally with how I deal with other people because emotionally in other ways, I've kind of like fallen apart and hit rock bottom, but we'll get into that. However, like how I deal with people And how I deal with reacting to situations that are kind of crazy and would usually warrant an emotional, outrageous response in my younger years. I've worked that out and I feel really good about it, especially because, like I said, I haven't really done the the therapy thing. So the fact that I've come so far on my own with my own self-reflection is pretty crazy to me and something I think that I'm most proud of. Probably what I'm most proud of is my growth in my 20s and my self-reflection, but I don't know the right words to use. It's not coming to me. The action from my self-reflection, actually taking action to better myself and then seeing myself in another situation and thinking back and being like, wow, you really handled that better. You really actually made progress. You didn't just say you were going to change something. You actually did it. So that always feels really good. I think I've done that in a lot of ways in my 20s. So anyway, in the second relationship, it was just very surface level. He was very surface level. Everything was very surface level. And I don't think I realized it until the end. So probably for like the last year of that relationship, I didn't really want to fucking be in it anyway. And that's another lesson I've learned is not to stay in situations that are no longer serving you. And I usually don't like that phrase, but it works here. Don't stay in situations that are no longer serving you. When you realize that whatever situation you're in, whatever relationship you have with someone, a friendship, a romantic partner, whatever it is, if it's not working for you anymore, and you try to make it work and it's still not working for you, get the fuck out as fast as you can. You get one life, you get one shot at this. Why are you wasting your time trying to put pieces together that don't fit? I'm not fucking doing that anymore. I'm 30 years old. That's my new line. I don't need this shit at 30 years old. That is my new catchphrase. So I definitely stayed in that relationship past its expiration date. And for the last year, I was having conversations with myself and with Rachel about feeling like that was the make or break year. Either we were going to figure it out or we weren't. And I didn't really want to be in that relationship. Come to find out at the end of it, I had no idea that he had had a whole second relationship on the side for the last six months. So when we broke up, I found out that he cheated on me and I have never cheated in a relationship. I think that is the most low and disgusting thing you can do in a relationship. And if you do so, you're a piece of shit. You're not changing my mind. I can understand from a rational perspective how something might happen. And then you may wake up and be like, what the fuck did I do? I understand like a situational thing where something went too far. I won't really forgive it. I might forgive it, but I won't stay. It's not an excuse. 
But I can understand like a situation where you're in and something goes too far in a moment and then you realize afterwards, like, what the fuck did I just do? Rationally, I can understand how that can happen. What this motherfucker did is not something I understand. He is a sociopath. And that is honestly such an overused term. But this motherfucker is it. Gaslighting, all the buzzwords in, in this situation. So I found out he cheated and I was done. That was it for me. He moved out like a week after that when we broke up. I didn't find out till well into the next relationship, which is the one we're talking about today, that it had been going on for six months. It wasn't like one time, two times, like he had framed it. I forget exactly what his bullshit lying ass story was. But months later, I was continuing to stalk and try to find the person because he was smart about it. He didn't add that person on Instagram. All I knew was a first name. I didn't get the phone number out of the goddamn phone like I fucking should have in the moment because I was crazy. <laughs> I was busy throwing everything in the apartment. And I didn't find out until I was into the second relationship months later, almost like trying to find closure in that situation while I was already falling in love with someone else, which I don't think was the healthiest choice, but it did kind of help me through it. And then I found out at that point that it had literally been going on for six months. And then he was continuing to lie to this person, the, the hoe on the side, <laughs> who I don't blame at all. It was not his fault. He had no idea. This motherfucker was a great liar. I am not one to have the wool pulled over my eyes, so to speak, very easily. I figure shit out. I am not one that you're just going to fucking take advantage of. And I don't have stupid bitch written across my fucking forehead. But this motherfucker was good. He got me and I hate to admit it. So I don't blame that guy. It had nothing to do with him. He had no idea what was going on. And honestly, I kind of felt sorry for him because he was under the impression that for six months, he was hanging out with this great guy who he was developing something with. And the whole time he was living with me in my fucking apartment with our goddamn dog that I ended up sending along with him. But anyway, that's a story for another time if we really want to get into that. It was a crazy situation. So he moves out and he had been living in my apartment with me for like two years of the relationship. It was my apartment first. I always do that. And I suggest that to people. If you're going to move in with somebody who you haven't been with for like a really long time, I don't believe in that it's too soon to move in. I kind of think it's a good thing because you end up learning people in a way that you don't learn them otherwise. I don't care what these fucking 23 year olds in a relationship think when they're like, hmm. But I basically live with him anyway. He sleeps at my house every night. When you were sleeping in your mommy's house, your boyfriend's coming over and sleeping in your mommy's house. It is not the same thing as living together because he barely ever goes home. Okay. When you are in an apartment or a house or wherever you're living together and you and that motherfucker have absolutely nowhere to go. When you get into a fight and you don't want to look at that bitch's face, <laughs> you have nowhere else to go because that is your fucking home. All of your shit is here. There is nowhere to go. That's living together. That's when you start to figure out the real shit. When all their stuff is there and they start leaving their underwear on the goddamn motherfucking bathroom floor after they take a shower instead of picking it up and putting it in the laundry basket. Okay. That's living with a motherfucker, not in your mommy's house, in your childhood bedroom. Okay. So fuck off. I recommend living with someone that you're taking seriously early on because there may be some things that aren't fixable and aren't going to change that are deal breakers for you. And you need to figure that the fuck out. So I am pro live with someone you are dating, even if it's seven, eight, nine months in, but move them into your fucking place. Do not give up your apartment, your house, whatever, because when shit turns sideways, 
That's the person who has to leave. I didn't have to pack my shit and go anywhere. That motherfucker had a week, a week. And that was generous after what that motherfucker did to me to pack his shit and find a place to live and get the fuck out of here. I didn't have to move a goddamn thing. Mm -mm, Not me. So at this point, I was 26. This is 2019. We break up in March of 2019. He moves out. Now, this motherfucker had bought me tickets to the Mariah Carey concert, the Caution Tour, and I was so excited for us to go. And then we break up and I said, you better give me those fucking Mariah Carey tickets. I will kill you after everything that's gone on here. You better give me those fucking tickets and I am going alone. And the whole time he's like, well, maybe we should go together and it'll be fun. And like, we'll have a memory of it. Like such a fucking manipulative motherfucker. And I was like, why would I want to go see my Lord and Savior, Mariah Carey with you after I just found out that you had cheated on me? We are breaking up. Do you think I want to sing the breakup songs with you standing next to me? You're going to ruin my fucking time. Give me the tickets and I will kill you. And the last manipulative thing that he did was sell the two crappier tickets that he apparently got for free from a business contact to get me a better ticket up front by myself, which was like literally four rows, three, four rows back from the stage, which was the greatest gift you could have fucking gotten me, even though you're a piece of shit. And I went by myself and had the time of my life. So following this relationship, I swear to God, I was like so exhausted by the situation. I put myself on a time limit with breakups and I don't know if that's healthy, but I feel like it's what gets me through. I put myself on a time limit with that relationship. I told myself, you have two days, two days off to sit on this couch, cry, scream, throw things, whatever you want, get wasted, get stoned, feel sorry for yourself, and then you need to get the fuck up. And maybe you're not going to feel great. Of course, you're not going to be over it in those two days, but you are not going to let someone who has done nothing but bring you down bring you down further. You are not going to sit in this fucking apartment on that ugly ass couch at the time <laughs> and feel sorry for yourself for any more than that time frame. And that's what I did. My mom came over. My brother came over. My mom like cooked for me. She's the best in that sense. She will come over and turn your fucking life around inside your house like a mom should. I felt sorry for myself and got wasted for two days and whatever, chain smoked. And then I got up and I said, you know what? I'm sad, but I got to move on with my fucking life. Clearly, that person didn't value me enough to not be a piece of shit. So whatever. So following that, obviously, I was so exhausted with relationships and the thought and the idea of that, that I was like, I am going to be single forever. I want to be single for like a year minimum. I am fucking done with relationships. However, this was 2019. I was 26. I wasn't as smart as I am now. And we all fall into the, I'm lonely, or you want to get some ass, (laughs) and you get on the fucking apps and you get going. Tinder, the gays always want to act like the gays like me who think that they're fucking above the scene and they're better than the bullshit, which whatever, I don't care how that sounds. I'm not part of that shit. But everyone's on the grinder and they will tell you that they're not and they will tell you that it's disgusting. Trust me, I've done it. But they are in secret at some point because it is not the same when it comes to meeting people for the gays. Okay, you ladies and straights out there, you have it easy. You go to any fucking restaurant or bar and you're an attractive, decently attractive person and someone might come up to you in my line of work. With the kind of guys I like, which are out and not in the closet and not fucking undercover brothers, okay? But they are masculine and don't come off as, you know, woo! (laughs) Does that make sense from an audio perspective? Mm, That's like, you know, mm -hmm, yeah, those. 
those kind of gays are not my thing. I want to be the gayest one in the room, and I'm not even that gay when you compare me on the spectrum. It's a spectrism. It's a spectrism. I like that. That's like a combination of spectrum and autism, because that's what I was thinking, but I didn't want to say it. It's a spectrum like autism and sexuality, apparently, and gender now, too. Woo! So anyway, God, I feel like I'm on, I've had so much caffeine and I've been so amped up. I was doing fucking jumping jacks to get going and not fucking cry at this conversation. But now I feel like I'm on cocaine or two times speed. If you're listening to this podcast, do not check your phone. You are not on two times speed. I am just amped the fuck up today. (laughs) We're amped up. Let's go. It's 2 a.m. when I'm recording this and someone's going to call the fucking police. I swear to God, someone is calling the police in one of my neighbor's homes. Oops. If you hear a siren that sounds in the distance, it's not this. It's not this at all. It's the real police. My cat has already ran away. So I wanted to be single forever, but after like a week... I wanted to say a couple months, but it's not the truth. After like a week, I was like, all right, well, I'm single in the sense of I got... Um, berated pretty much (laughs) not verbally but you know it felt like that it felt like i got fucking slapped in the face so i'm not gonna sit around and be sad i want to find like friends with benefits or like a hookup buddy like let's get the ball rolling here i want somebody to tell me i look cute i want to send out some fucking ass pics because i am a sexting slut when i am single i am a sexting slut when i am single anyone who has snapchat that is a grown person in their 30s and they are in a relationship you are a fucking cheating ass bitch if you're not single you are a cheater so ladies if your man is over the age of fucking 30 and he has snapchat on his phone you better find out what his motherfucking password is okay you better open that shit up and you better take a look at the names on there because there is no reason for a grown ass man or woman in a relationship to have snapchat unless they are sending dick and pussy pics back and forth and or videos (laughs) because the only reason i have a snapchat is when i am single to send ass pics that disappear okay so if your man is over the age of 30 and has a snapchat in his phone you better get the fuck in there and take a look i am so pro go through people's phones and i do not care how that sounds that's how you know i haven't been to therapy i honestly am more into if you're in a relationship and you know each other's passwords once in a while i would like pick up my ex's phone and just not not the cheater the most recent one I would just put in the password and see if it was still the same. And if the phone opened, I wouldn't even go through it because clearly if you know, I still have access to it. You don't have anything to hide. It's the people who are like, give me my phone. Don't look at my phone. The cheating ass piece of shit, motherfucker. That one had his phone guarded. That shit was like on do not disturb. The phone was always locked and I should have fucking known better, but I swear to God, I had so much PTSD from going through my previous ex's phone so many fucking times that I honestly didn't even want to go down that road. And I was trying to learn to establish trust. And then I got spit in my face. So now at this point, 2019, I'm single March of 2019, have the time of my life at Mariah Carey. And now I'm like, I want to be single forever. I get on the apps of looking for like, you know, some kind of fun friend with benefits. I'm not into like sleeping with a million different people at once. It's never been my thing. No judgment to you if you are. I think it's great. I love to hear my friend's stories who fuck a bunch of strangers all the time. I think it's excellent. I might do it now. (laughs) Once I slim down a little and have the audacity to be naked in front of someone because I don't have that now. So I get on, I'm cruising and bruising and talking to some people, right? I started talking to this guy that I didn't really take seriously. He was super hot, super hot, totally my type, very like masculine and like, 
kind of aggressive in a soft way, if that makes sense. Like not aggressive, but like had some confidence, had something to it. And we just clicked so well, so quick. It was honestly like nothing I ever experienced before. And I tried to fight it so hard for so long because I didn't want to be involved in anything serious. So we were like talking every night for like four or five hours on the phone. This relationship, I'm going to call him. (laughs) I mean, his name's not a secret. He's all over my Instagram. And you guys heard the episode we did for 420 together. And I said his name, but just to not make it any worse. I'm going to come up with a code name. I was trying to think all day of what I wanted to call him as a code name. And I can't come up with that. I'm going to call him hot chocolate. Is that racist? I don't think so, but we're good to go with it because that's what he is. Hot chocolate. So when I met hot chocolate, we just like vibed so well in a way that I feel like I never did with another person outside of my closest friend. And it happened so fucking quick. So we were on the phone four to five hours a night, we would be on the phone at like 11, 12 o'clock. And we both like were working weird hours. So we would be up at night and we would be on the phone until four, five, six in the morning, talking, talking, talking nonstop about life, about past relationships, about interests, about goals, like real conversations. And I feel like in society in general, in dating in general, and specifically with the gays, there's such a like, lack of deep, meaningful, real conversation between people who are getting to know each other in a romantic way or in like a sexual way, I guess. Because everyone is like so many options, so many people everywhere on these apps, all that shit, right? So that was something that that, that I really need. And I, I kind of found out from this relationship, there's so much I've learned from this relationship. I needed that, you know? And it was the first time I ever got it. So it was crazy. I would say like a week after we started talking, we met for the first time in person. I'm like that with this dating app shit. I don't want to talk to you for fucking six months. I've had situations where I've talked to people and never met them because I ended up in a relationship and then I was out of that relationship and I ended up meeting someone that I had spoken to in the past later. But I'm not like the talk to me for fucking six months and we've never actually met in person type. You don't know however many pictures you see, whatever bullshit you send back and forth texting. That is no indication of whether you're actually going to enjoy someone when you're sitting across from them face to face at a fucking table. I need that to see what's going on, you know? So I want to get that over with quick because if I don't like you in person and we don't connect face to face, why do I want to waste my time texting you all day or getting excited, you know? So we were FaceTiming every night, talking on the phone every night for like a week, nonstop. Then I go to the mall and I'm like texting with him and he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm at the mall. I got to get an outfit for wherever the fuck I was going. And he's like, oh, I work right here. And I was like, what do you, what do you mean you work right here? He worked in the fucking mall <laughs> at the time. It was insane. And I didn't know that of all the things we had talked about. I didn't know that. Like he told me about his job, but I didn't realize where it was. So he was like, oh yeah, I'm about to walk out of wherever he was. He's like, um, um, come meet up with me. And I was so pissed because I did not look cute. <laughs> I did not look cute to go to the mall and try on a bunch of outfits. I put on a whatever outfit. My face was all gross. I like barely even showered that day. And I was like, I don't really look 
good right now in the spirit of honesty. Like, I don't feel good about how I look right now. I don't really want to meet you for the first time. And he's like, oh, shut up and whatever. So we met for like five seconds and he was even more beautiful in person. And we had like a really quick conversation and it just felt so natural. Like it felt like I already knew him and it felt like more of a spark when we were talking to each other and the way we looked at each other. I didn't really feel that for anyone before. So it made things even worse. (laughs) And I say worse because I was trying so hard to avoid something serious. So after that, a few days later, look, I'm an adult, right? I'm not playing this fucking bullshit of let's go on four dates before you sleep over. I'm an adult. I have my own apartment at this point. I'm 26 years old. I've obviously already been a hoe in my day. (laughs) What's one more, you know? So I'm like, let's not play this baby bullshit. Let's go to dinner and then like come hang out, sleep over if you want to and you feel comfortable. Like we'll hang out instead of talking on the phone till fucking 6 a.m. We could just talk here and fucking smoke a joint (laughs) at my apartment until 6 a.m. So that's what we did. We went to dinner. We had the best time. And then he came over to sleep over. I remember it was the night that he had worked. So he was like, oh, is like, is it cool if I shower when I get to your house? And I was like, yeah, of course. And I remember the way my apartment was set up, you could like see the bathroom door from the couch and (laughs) you could see the light coming through the side of the door, like through the crack, but you couldn't really see in of course when it was closed, but you could see like some kind of light coming through. And when someone was like moving around in the bathroom, you would see the light, like the gap kind of like a shadow go by. But again, you couldn't actually see in the bathroom at anyone. And I remember sitting on the couch And he was obviously like standing in the mirror with the shower running, like getting undressed. And I felt so nervous because I like, I just liked him so much so far that I didn't want to like screw anything up. I don't know. I was I was nervous. And that was another sign to me. Like, holy shit, I really like this person because I don't feel like that around a lot of people. So whatever we, he like came out, we were hanging out and then we were sitting on the couch and I don't think we ended up smoking, but we were sitting on the couch and we were talking, we were hanging out. And, you know, things are starting to get a little like flirty and we were like, you know, hand on the leg and just like the little signs that something's about to happen. And I remember, obviously we're gays, right? Like we're, we're guys. Like obviously I had already sent him fucking nudes and he had sent some back. I knew what was going on under there. Was I prepared for it? Apparently not, but that's a story for another time. So he was so adamant, which I liked and I wouldn't have done anything differently because I'm like very careful and safe when it comes to sex, like because you have to be. It's weird to me when people aren't, but I purposely didn't buy condoms because I was like, I don't want to sleep with him on the first night he sleeps over. Like there could be a little like fun, a little whatever, but I don't want to actually have sex with him the first night he sleeps over because what kind of tone is that setting? for somebody who I actually didn't want to like, but really do and might want to see where this goes. Like if I just fuck him on the first night, I don't want him to think that that's what I do. Like I just talk to a bunch of guys, invite them over and fuck them on my couch. (laughs) That sounds a little ridiculous. So things started like, you know, going there and he was like, do you have condoms? And I was like, no. And he was like, no. And I was like, well, it's not that I, would do it without it. I just didn't prepare for this to happen. And then I remember there was like a quick like look at me like, do you not want to do that? And I was like, no, no, it's cool. 
So the first night that he slept over, we went to CVS in my car together to buy condoms. CVS is like five minutes from my old apartment. We got in the car and went to CVS together on day one of him being at my house. Literally an hour and a half into him being in my home for the first time, we got in the car to go to CVS and buy condoms together. That was the first night <laughs> that I ever saw a Magnum condom <laughs> in real life. I almost thought they were a myth and people didn't really buy them or use them, that it was just kind of like a prop to have. <laughs> but apparently they're real if you catch my drift. Now, sex with somebody new is usually awkward for the first time, right? At least in my experience. And not even awkward in the sense like bad, but you have to like figure each other out. You have to figure out what somebody likes, what you like, and how that fits together. Someone else is learning like your style. You know, like everything intimate is a learning experience when you're doing it with someone new for the first, second, third time. Kissing, everything, affection. Like you have to learn someone's language when it comes to a lot of different things in relationships. And sex is not excluded from that. So I wasn't expecting it to be great. I was just like, whatever, he's hot, I'm into it. We clearly have an attraction, we'll figure it out. When I tell you, it was hands down the best first time I've ever had sex with somebody and one of the best times I've had sex ever in my life. And I have had a lot of sex. I am 30. <laughs> I started early and this was literally like a mind-blowing first experience. Everything without being graphic just like fit right you know like we didn't it didn't feel like it was somebody new it felt like somebody i had done this with before and we just like understood each other and it just went in a way that i wasn't expecting in the best way and i lost my mind after that i swear to god when you have really good sex with somebody that you already like it just takes the attraction and like the intimacy and maybe the bond to another level there's differences between sex you're having just for the sex of it, just because the person's hot and you're like hooking up and really good sex with someone that you actually really like. It's very different. It feels different when you're done, right? Even if it's like hot and like nasty or whatever it is, it's still almost romantic, even if it's not because you have feelings for that person. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a sap, but whatever. So after that experience, I remember we talked about how good the first time was so much and how we couldn't believe it. And we had great sex the entire relationship. That's like hands down my number one. If I had to think of somebody who I've had like the best sex with, let's count how many times I say sex this episode. <laughs> I swear the relationship is so much more than that. It's not based on that. Yeah, we talked about the first time up until the end of our relationship. We would reference it once in a while and be like, remember how good that was and how like unexpected it was that it was going to be so great because it was the first. Such a funny conversation that we always had. So after that, I swear to God, it was fucking off to the races. We met in April. So I broke up with that loser piece of shit in March of 2019. April of 2019, literally like three, four weeks later is when I met Hot Chocolate. And I was trying to fight a label, like a real relationship official, which honestly, now that I'm 30, I'm like, what's the difference? What does it matter? Why do we even still have those conversations of like, oh, do you want to officially be my fucking boyfriend or girlfriend or, or partner if you're a they, them? Um, I, I Like, why do we even still do that? It, it's just like, it seems immature now. At the time, he was like wanting to make us an official couple. 
And I was like, mm, that's scary because I hadn't come to the terms yet where I just like didn't feel like it mattered. And I was scared of it because of my last relationship and what had happened. I was afraid to put myself in a position where I was going to get hurt again. However, I already would have gotten hurt if something happened because I was invested. And that's the part of like the label thing officially being someone's significant other that doesn't fucking make sense to me because at that point if he had done something fucked up we had already had a conversation like a month into us hanging out that we weren't doing things with other people and we weren't like on any dating apps or pursuing other things like it was just us so at that point three months after that two months after that one month after that conversation if he would have done something it would have been hurtful anyway so what did the label make a difference but in my mind i i realize now I was so stuck on it because not being in a relationship felt to me then like I couldn't get hurt or be treated the way I was the last time. But in reality, that wasn't true. So I fought the label until literally August. So here we are in April, May, June, July, August, four months of us being together until I was like, all right, let's really do it. And at that point, we were already really doing it. Not sex, but that too. And a lot of it. It was just a whirlwind. Like I never in my life have felt the way that I did about him. I've never felt so in love with someone and so like connected to someone and so like attached to someone. I never had real deep life conversations that were like so meaningful and serious the way that we did. I just never had that experience. And I think I realized at 26, as I'm moving into this relationship, oh, I don't really know what it's like to be in love with someone. I thought I did, but I don't think that anything was that until then, you know? And we had so many conversations about it that I know that those feelings were reciprocated. We both have talked so much about through the years how we've never felt the way that we had about each other with another person in a previous relationship. And that this was so much different and so much deeper and so much more important. And everything else before it just kind of felt like practice, you know, to get here, to be in a certain place for this relationship, which little did I know that neither of us were really in that place yet. Not the way I feel like I would be in the future. Um, But again, I feel like life is growth and life is change and you're always going to continue to grow and change. So the way I felt where I felt like there was this shift at like 27 where my mind kind of crossed over and something changed and I didn't know exactly what it was, but I knew it switched. I feel like maybe I'll feel that way again at 40. I'm sitting here at 30 talking about 27. Maybe at 40, I'll talk about 35, 36, 37, 38, where there's another shift. You know, I feel like life is stages and you're always growing and changing if you're smart and healthy and aware. So who knows? But up until that point, I had never felt like this, you know? And I, I remember so well that one time I posted a bunch of pictures of us and I wrote a caption about how in 27 years, you are the first person to set my soul on fire. And I know that sounds really corny and stupid, but that's how I felt. Like I always felt like we were like on fire when we were around each other, you know? Like there was so much attraction on so many different levels. It wasn't just physical, but it was a lot of that too. So that was like the cherry on top. But I almost feel like the attraction on so many other more important, deeper levels heightened the physical attraction. It wasn't just about the way each other looked. It was being so attracted to someone physically 
because you're so attracted to who someone is and what they offer you in other ways, you know? So when I tell you, <laughs> like a month into this, I was living in an apartment that was upstairs from another couple. Shout out to Heather and Kelvin. And they became some two of my best friends. And I lived upstairs for like six years. Didn't know when I, them when I moved in, but became so close with them. And I remember Heather was in the backyard with her son one day when I came home from hanging out with hot chocolate. And <laughs> that name is stupid, but whatever, it's sticking. And I came home like a month into it. We had this really great day. And I was like, Heather, I think I just, I think I met my husband and I didn't even know it. I was like, this is it for me. Like, I don't even want to get married or have kids, but like now I want to get married. So it was such a whirlwind. And then six months ish into us hanging out and being together, things kind of took a turn. And I've thought about how careful I want to be. I've thought about how careful I want to be with how I talk about this because somebody else's story is not mine to tell. And we have a story together and both of our own personal battles and experiences are part of that story because, um, because when you're in a relationship, whatever happens to you affects the other person. And the more years you spend growing together, the more the other person's battles become yours. And I want to talk about certain things and I don't want to talk about certain things. I want to be able to allude to certain things without actually saying certain things because at the end of the day, even though it was a part of our story, it's his story and it's his experiences and it's his battles. And I don't think as well as I know him and as connected to him as I am and, and have been and always will be to some degree, it's not my place. It's not my story to tell. So a million fucking almost an hour into this <laughs> is the time to say if you came here for the drama and you came here to listen to me rip someone apart and tell all their fucking secrets out of a place of hurt and anger and frustration, that is not what this is. That is not what this is going to be. Um, so yeah, that's, I'm just trying to be as careful as I can about not saying too much that isn't for me to say. I want to do this and tell the stories and, and get things out and, and impart some wisdom on maybe some people who were where I was at 26 when I left that last relationship and got to this one. And, and more so share my experience and, and things I've learned as I'm moving into my 30s. But I don't want to disrespect someone who I have nothing but admiration for and love and care for. And at the end of the day, his battles are his own and they affected our relationship the way that my own battles have affected the relationship. It's not one-sided. And I wouldn't want him to air me out in certain ways. And I would not do that to him as well. And no one hurt each other. No one cheated. No one did anything fucked up to the other person for this relationship to end. Fuck. <clears throat> Fuck me. This is like, I, <laughs> I didn't mean to get here, but here we are. Um, I, um, uh, fuck, I don't even know where I was going with that. All right. This is what you edit out right here. <laughs> so no one, you know, did anything terrible. It's just two adults who, tried to make something work that wasn't working for whatever the reasons are and made the adult decision to part ways. There's no big battle. There's no big 
fight. There's no big drama. You know, it's just, that's it. That, that is what it is. So I'm not going to sit here and air someone out who I still love and care about and has never given me any reason or treated me in any way that was poor. If anything, did nothing but elevate me in an emotional and romantic sense. And I will take what I learned and who I learned to be in love with me for the rest of my life in any relationship that I have with someone. So how could you have anything but the utmost respect for sharing that with that person? About six months into the relationship, things kind of took a turn in the sense that he had shared a lot of very personal battles from the past with me very early on. I'm talking like before that first time we even hung out, when we were having those really long conversations, he really shared a lot about things that had gone on in his life that were important to share with someone and necessary at some point to share, but maybe not so soon. So I respected the fact that he was so open and honest with me so early that I put my fear of how those situations could affect us in the future behind. And I honestly was too far in at that point and too far infatuated with the person and the situation and what it could be and how it made me feel so careless about what had just happened to me because I was already so quickly accidentally falling in love with someone else that I just, there was nothing he could have said. I don't feel at that point, apart from like maybe fucking killing someone. (laughs) If he told me he killed someone and buried them in the fucking desert and nobody ever found out. I, I honestly, at that point, like, I still don't even know if that would have been enough for me to run the other way. I swear to God, like, it was just so intense, so quickly. So nothing he told me was like enough for me to be like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this. In another situation, in the future, being where I am now, if someone told me the same things, I, I probably would. I probably would be like, I don't think I can do this, and I respect you, and I appreciate the honesty, but I don't think that I'm the one for you. And I would go the other way. Um, but at that time, I kind of felt like, and I've grown out of this now that I'm getting older, I used to feel as though I was going to be judgmental if somebody told me certain things and I didn't want to deal with that, but I was falling in love with this person and wanted to be with them. And that was the thing that made me go, skirt, I'm out. I was like, who am I to judge someone who's so honest and so open And in such a different place now by not wanting to be with them. And now I recognize that it's not judgmental when you respect someone. You can look at someone who tells you something about themselves that affects themselves that may end up affecting you if you let yourself too close to it. That I respect your journey. I hate that, but whatever. I respect your battles and your struggles, but I don't want to invite them into my life in a way that is so close. There's nothing wrong with saying that. And I realize that now, and again, I wouldn't go back and change it. It's the greatest relationship that I've ever been in in so many ways. I I don't regret it. I wouldn't take it back, but I would react that way in the future, having that knowledge that I don't have to be disrespectful and it's not judgmental to say, whoa, all of that stuff is a lot. And I don't want you to bring that that close to me. So I'm going to step back. I'm going to step away. There's nothing wrong with that. If anything, that's healthy for yourself and for the other person. Because if you don't want to be the one to support those things, and you don't want to be the one to deal with whatever happens with them, it's doing them a service to just not even dive into it. you know. Because at the end of the day, when those things arise and cause a problem, 
and you might feel like you want to flee the other way, you're only doing that person a disservice because now you've been invested and they've invested in you. And now you're running the other way. At least if you do that from the jump, you're saving both of you that fucking heartache, you know? So things took a turn at that like six month mark. And again, still was not anything for me to say, I don't want to do this anymore. So I stayed with him and I supported him through his own personal struggles. And again, I was having my own personal struggles in a different way. And he was supporting me through that. And up until this point, these first six months, it was just like so much love and emotion and affection and everything that I, everything that I ever thought of wanting in a person, he gave me. And I don't want that to sound selfish because I'm always a giver in a relationship when it comes to saying certain things and expressing my emotions and doing nice things for people that aren't like gifts, you know, like thoughtful things and letting you know that I care in a way that is deeper than just, hey, I bought this for you. You know, like I put a lot of thought into stuff for people I really care about because I feel like that is so much more valuable. And I always wanted the same thing in return. And I don't feel like I ever got it until I met this person. I don't feel like it was ever reciprocated when I looked at someone and expressed how crazy my feelings were for them. I don't feel like it was reciprocated in the same exact way to the same level until I met this person. And in a way that wasn't like smothering like the fucking cheater. Like he was so crazy with like almost obsessive about certain things. And then it was like so contrary for him to have turned around and cheated on me when it in, in private conversations and, and struggles in the relationship, he was like so obsessive about me. It was weird. That was weird. But this wasn't like that. This was like genuine reciprocation. And I just like melted every time I still have like all the screenshots. I'm sure in my fucking Google photos that I need to get rid of because they're hurtful of all the conversations we would have. And I would wake up in the morning to these like crazy texts, like the day after we were together for one day, five days, whatever it was, just crazy, crazy texts of like in the best way of all these like beautiful emotional feelings. And it gave me such confidence to continue to grow in the relationship, to be myself because someone was celebrating that instead of what I was used to in a lot of relationships in life beyond romance, people always telling me to like tone myself down so that they felt more comfortable. You know, like a lot of that in my family, when I was coming out in my younger years and whatever, like a lot of things were too much for people in job settings, in, in friendships where like my personality and who I naturally just was, people tried to stifle, whether it was to make themselves more comfortable or because they didn't like it or whatever the reason. And to be with somebody where I'm exposing every part of myself and I'm acting like my complete normal self so comfortably and have that celebrated and appreciated instead of asking me to kind of dumb myself down in senses was mind blowing to me. Then he moved into my apartment and there was a lot of up and down. The relationship was always incredible. The connection was always incredible. The time we spent together was always incredible. It was outside issues, outside in the sense of one person's battles bleeding into the relationship and causing a lot of turmoil. It got very tumultuous very quickly. But again, it wasn't really 
between us was turmoil. It was more so of one person is really dealing with something and it's really heavy and it's really weighing both of us down because we are so intertwined. Now it's affecting me when these things are happening in his life, when he's dealing with these battles. We were living together throughout that time. And then in August, the last days of August 2020, I was moving out of my apartment because my landlords were selling during COVID. So during COVID, we were living together. We were not in a great place. He was working and I was at home because I worked in a restaurant. It was not obviously an essential thing. I was home for like three months. Had the time of my life. I know that sounds bad, but 2020 for a lot of reasons was one of the best years of my life. And I know a lot of people struggled and a lot of bad shit happened, but I had such an amazing year. Even though a lot of bad things were happening in my life and my relationship, I still had an incredible year. And I look back on it with such fond memories separate from COVID. So I made the choice at this point that I couldn't do this stuff in the relationship anymore. And I broke up with him. And we lived together for like another month after that. And things were interesting to say the least. And he wasn't around a lot because he was working and I was home with the COVID shit. Um, I think at some point during that time, I went back to work or maybe it was right after. So anyway, we both kind of moved out at the same time. He moved out. It was very emotional the first time. Um, And I moved out as well. And that was emotional for me because that apartment was like my saving grace. You know, I moved out of my house with my family in a very like crazy situation. And I kind of just like left and never went back one day. And there's this whole story with how I got the apartment a month later and I did everything on my own. And I was 22 and I was scared and whatever. But that apartment was the first place that really felt like my home. And I stayed there for six years and I had to leave even though I didn't want to because my landlord sold the house during COVID. So I had to go and I didn't want to. And then my relationship was crumbling on top of it. And I was just so emotional. So I moved out a couple days after he did, which was nice because I spent my last few days in such an important place in my life in that apartment alone, which actually looking back was the best way I could have done it. So we were broken up for about three or four months through the rest of the summer and the beginning of fall. And I think we really started hanging out again in around Christmas time. So we had spoken here and there. I tried not to talk to him for a while. It didn't work. And I just never felt right about it. I felt like I broke up with him because I was scared of things that were were happening and I didn't think that they were going to go away or get better. And as we were separate and I kind of went back out into the world and I went on a couple dates, I hooked up with a couple people, whatever it is, I started feeling like there's nothing out here in these months that compares 50% to what I had. And he was in a better place and things were going well for him. And I don't know, I just felt like I pulled the plug too soon. What if I would have done this? What if I would have stuck it out? And those are all natural feelings, but... There comes a point in every relationship when someone is having difficulties about their relationship and second guessing it where they're either done or they're not. And I wasn't done at that point. And I knew it very soon after we went our separate ways. It's funny because we always joked about like before we broke up during the breakup about how like we had never gotten back together with exes. And he would always say like, I don't go backwards. I go forward. So like if we break up at some point, we're not getting back together and not in a manipulative way at all. It was just a conversation and then turned into a joke. 
So then when we did get back together, I was like, oh, I thought you were Mr. I only go forward and I don't go backwards. And I would like give him shit for that. So we got back together around Christmas time. We had been talking. We had seen each other. He was hanging out here at the house for a little bit. And then we had like this battle of if you're talking to anyone else, you better get them out of your fucking life. And I was like not having anybody's bullshit. I was like, that's my fucking man. Even if it's not step the fuck on. So whatever we squashed that. It was no big, it was no big thing. (laughs) We both had done our own thing. And honestly, such a responsible adult conversation because I am the most honest person in America. It's actually annoying. Sometimes I felt like I had to tell him the things I had done in between, which really I didn't, but like I'm that kind of person where I feel like if I don't overexpose myself to that person that I'm with and I care about and I don't 100% throw everything out there that sometimes you can keep to yourself unless you're being asked about it. So you're not really lying. You just don't need to express everything. I'm not good at that. I mean, clearly you've heard me talk for the last hour. I'm not fucking good at that shit. Like I got to tell you or I feel like I'm lying and hiding. So I initiated a conversation about what had gone on and we both handled it in a very healthy way for the beginning. (laughs) And when we got back together, I remember I was like scared. I talked about it with Rachel. I was like nervous. Are we going to have the same problems that we did? It's only been a few months that we haven't been together. It's not like we were apart for a year and there was some growth and we couldn't stop thinking about each other. It was really just like four months at most. And I was scared. We started hanging out. Everything was great. He was in a good place. I was in a good place. I had just moved into the apartment that I'm in now and really settled because in between, I lived with those friends that lived downstairs from me. They bought a house that had like almost an apartment, not really kind of downstairs. And I lived there for a few months while I was figuring out what I was doing apartment wise. And he was coming here. We were hanging out. And then like Christmas time, a little after we were like, all right, let's full force do it and get back together. And when I tell you the next like year, year and a half was fucking perfection. It was amazing. It was healthy. It was beautiful. It was like right back where we were at the beginning with that spark and that passion. And I have to say like over the It was just shy of four years that we were together. And over those four years, we never lost that. Even in like the worst moments, so much happened in that first year and a half of us being together, breaking up, then breaking up, then getting back together. And in the relationship in general, I look back on the four years and I'm like, we went through more shit together, more crazy shit that could have broken us, should have broken us apart. Then some people go through it in a fucking lifetime together. Like it was crazy at some points. And we always stuck together. And I always thought to myself, like, the both of us have seen each other at our lowest. The both of us have seen each other in positions that you see people in and you're like, I don't, mm -mm, I I, I care about you from a distance, but I don't even want to really look at you. And we still were so in love with each other after. And that always stuck with me. Like that always stuck out to me. Like, I've seen you in the most fucked up positions you can see another person, scary positions. And I still look at you the next day and I'm so in love with you. Like, how do you leave someone like that? You know, how do you say, I don't want to be in this relationship anymore, or I can't be in this relationship anymore, even though I want to, you know, like that's the hardest thing. So the time that we were back together was incredible. It was like everything I could have asked for. And then it slipped again and and certain things reared their ugly heads again. And we dealt with that. 
on and off and on and off and up and down and up and down. And eventually I just was turning 30. So now this is this past year. I remember it was in the summer, like July, and there was something specific that happened. And I just start was thinking to myself prior to that, as things were kind of escalating in, in a certain sense, I was thinking to myself, like, I'm turning 30 this year. I've been with this person for almost four years. We've had countless conversations about getting married, having a family, our respective careers. And, and he's been studying for his career and he's so intelligent. And that's another thing that was so amazing to me. Like he was so, he's so smart and, and, and so well-rounded and such a conversationalist and so intelligent. And when you speak to him for fucking five minutes, you can just tell what an incredibly intelligent person he is and how much incredible knowledge he has about so many things, weird shit too, like fucking vitamins and the body. He's, <laughs> I swear he's like a fucking physicist <laughs> without the degree. I can't say enough good things about him as a person, but things were starting to come to a head. And I was thinking to myself, like, we've had all these conversations. We've literally planned a life together. And that is what I wanted. But now I'm seeing these things come back. And it's, it's causing the same kind of issues that it did back then. But now we're a couple years in the future. Are these things that I want to deal with for the rest of my life? Are these things that I want to have in the back of my head where even though we go through periods where we're fine and he's fine and I'm fine, there's always, and I know this doesn't make 100% sense because I'm not saying exactly in detail what was happening, but just trust me, I'm not saying like, oh, we argue sometimes, we fight sometimes, and that might come back, and I don't know if I can do that. That's stupid. What I'm saying is not stupid, it's fucking heavy. And honestly, the best part of our relationship was that we really never fought. Like, I can count on fucking one hand how many times we had like a real actual big fight. That was like the best part of the relationship was we were so in love and so happy most of the time that we didn't even fight. But this was heavy shit. And I was thinking to myself, there's always going to be a possibility that this shit is going to come back and rear its ugly head. And do I want to live with that in the back of my head? And do I want to be 35, 36, 37, married to this person with a child in a home that we own together with careers and bills and everything intertwined and have this come back? and not know if we're going to get through it, if he's going to get through it. Do I want to live with that fear? And do I want to live with the reality that it could happen again? We may not be here for another two years. Maybe it'll be five years. Maybe it'll be 10 years down the road. Maybe it'll be never. But I'll always have in the back of my head that we could be right back in this place like that in an instant. Can I live with that? And I decided I didn't think I could. One specific day after one specific situation, I was like, you know what? I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I got to go. Or you got to go because this is, was my apartment first. <laughs> I don't mean that to be an asshole. It sounded bad, but it's just the truth. Like, like I said before in my advice, move people into your apartment so that if anything goes wrong, you don't have to pack your shit up and they can just leave the way they came and you can go back about your business. That was July of this year, and the reason I didn't want to record this episode and really get into it is because we were living together for so long after that, and I was like, you know, take your time and figure out what you want to do. I care about you. I love you. That doesn't. That's not changing. 
and you know, like we'll figure it out. We'll be fine. And then as soon as that happened, the flood happened and that changed everything with our lives. Like, and I'm not saying that to be dramatic. It was just some walls and some sheetrock, but I mean like the way we were living our lives changed because we were living in a construction zone. We had no ceilings, no floors. The concrete under floors is, is what we were walking on. There was fucking fans pointed at the ceiling. It was crazy. It looked like a literal unlivable construction zone with all our shit pushed into the corners of everywhere. And to look around right now at this apartment while I'm recording this and see all my shit back together and painted walls is, is insane when I think about what it looked like. It was literally like an unfinished house with, with people's possessions and clothes and everything just pushed into three different corners. It was insane. And it like distracted from what we were going through because now we had to deal with that. That was more important. We started to kind of like not really talk about the fact that we were technically broken up. We weren't like doing other things. We weren't split up, you know, and then we started hanging out more and things felt more normal and we were sleeping together all the time because it was fun and it was comfortable. And then I always maintain the thought that like, oh, he knows we're not getting back together. Like he knows I said what I said and I felt how I felt and I haven't changed my mind and we're not getting back together. And I guess he didn't. And I wanted to be mad at him for that when that conversation came to a head, which was after Thanksgiving. So Thanksgiving rolls around and he's, we're still living together. So now that's four months post breakup. We're still living together and we're still acting as if we're together. And I'm thinking he knows that I haven't changed my mind. We have a conversation about Thanksgiving and not spending the holidays together. And I asked him, what are you going to do for Thanksgiving? And he told me, and it was like, he already had a plan. He already planned that we weren't spending Thanksgiving together. It wasn't like he was like, oh, I, th- I thought we were working things out. I thought we were spending Thanksgiving together. Never even batted an eye. He was like, oh yeah, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. That's my plan. So I was like, oh, okay. That's my confirmation that he knows that we're still done, even though we've been acting as if we're fucking playing house in this construction zone, but we're not getting back together. Then my birthday rolls around. We didn't do anything for my birthday. I had told him that I had the plan to go to the city and do my thing with my friends. And he had made like a passive aggressive joke where we were like smoking a joint one night about like, oh, I'm not invited. And I was like, well, (laughs) like, are you upset about that? We didn't spend Thanksgiving together. We're really not together. Like, is that and he was like no no it's fine and it was fine and then we went and fucking had sex (laughs) and it was fine and then the day of my birthday party i'm like getting dressed to leave i had shown him my outfit i had tried it on for him we had talked about it it was fine the day i'm leaving for my birthday celebration he decides five minutes before i'm dressed and ready to go i've been walking around getting ready and having conversations with him for hours and nothing was brought up five minutes before i leave he starts a fight with me about it. And I don't begrudge him that he was upset and he felt like he was being left behind. And all my most important people were going to my fucking birthday celebration. My brother, my best friend, her siblings, which are essentially my siblings, my, my closest cousin, like everybody was going to the celebration that was important to me except for him. So I know that that didn't feel great, but you had so much time to bring that up and you chose not to. You picked five minutes before I'm walking out the door excited. Like that's a dick move, but whatever. That changed everything. That was the point where I was like, oh, he doesn't get that I haven't changed my mind. He doesn't get that like we're not working this out. There's no there's no chance of that for me right now. I, I don't feel 
that way like I did the first time. So that caused problems. And then the dynamic between us changed and we weren't acting the same way we were prior to that conversation. And it was sad. And I felt like I never really felt the breakup until that point. And we had a conversation after that. We had a big fight or two. And then we had a conversation where we kind of talked things out. And he kind of expressed that he didn't really think this things were going this way. And he had thought in his mind because of the way we were acting that we were working towards maybe working things out and we weren't maybe going to separate and he wasn't maybe going to move out. And I remember being so mad in my head and I didn't get mad at him, but in my head and in conversations I had with Rachel, I was like, how the fuck did he think that? We didn't even spend Thanksgiving together. I brought up Thanksgiving. It was already, he already knew. Why would we not spend the holidays together but be be getting back together. And like, why at that point wouldn't you have brought it up? And I was so mad at him in my head about like, what a fucking asshole is he that he thought that the whole time and didn't say anything. And then I realized that I did the same thing just the other way. And that is a learning lesson. And that wasn't smart. And I should have known better. Why the fuck wasn't I the one to be like, hey, I know we've been acting this way and like everything's fine, but we're not fine. And we're not doing this, this, and this. We're actually doing this. I still am moving on at some point. We are separating. So we both did the same thing in opposite ways. He didn't express that he felt we were, we were moving towards a good place. And I didn't express that I was still moving in the opposite direction. So it was just as much my fault as it was his. But I didn't see it at the time. You know, I see that now. And that's another reason I wanted to wait to talk about this. Because so much has happened. And so much time has been had to reflect that I feel like I'm way more clear on so many things than I would have been if I talked about this right away. So that was that. And then we spent my birthday in December to February 1st, I guess, or last days of January, continuing to live together, but in a very different way. The apartment was finally like getting back together. It took months and months and months to really get construction done from the flood for so many reasons. And I was trying to like start to put the house back together, but I was so depressed that I didn't even really do that. I felt like I was living in a way that was so not common or normal for me. Like I wasn't cleaning. I'm like a fucking every, every religiously every week cleaner. This house has to be fucking clean. I want you to be able to lick my floor and come up without any dust. (laughs) And I wasn't cleaning and the apartment was all fucked up before the construction was finished. And It just felt miserable to be home because it was in such a disheveled state. And I'm the kind of person where like if my space is fucked up, my living space, I'm fucked up. And then on top of it, I was fucked up about the relationship. And then I feel like the reason I'm as all right as I am now in one way, because I'm fucked up in a lot of ways because of a lot of things right now, I almost feel like I mourned the loss of the relationship while he was still here. And I wouldn't take that back. And a lot of people were like, you're crazy for living with him for this long after you broke up and and no one really got it. But I was like, you know what? When this is all said and done and he does leave, I know I did everything I could to leave this relationship as respectfully as I could because of how much I still care about him and giving him the opportunity to figure it out because it's not fun when you can't run home to your parents' house and you don't have a place to live and you're trying to find an apartment in this fucking rental market on Long Island that isn't fucking $9,000 a month. It's not fun. 
to be the person who feels like they have nowhere to go. So I was not about to put the pressure on someone who was already feeling pressure about other things and being the person who didn't actually want to leave the relationship, who was getting broken up with. That doesn't fucking feel good. So I was trying to be as sensitive to it as I could. And for so long, us living together before the birthday situation was fine. It like it wasn't really inhibiting my life. And even after it wasn't until the last days where I was like, all right, I'm really ready for this to be over. I really need this to be over so that I can feel okay and move on and not in the sense of seeing other people just move on and, and feel this is real and adjust to being alone because it's an adjustment that I lived in this house with this person for such a long time. And now I'm going to readjust to be back to living here alone. Like that's a lot, you know? I really feel like this is the easiest and hardest relationship to leave. It's the easiest and hardest breakup at the same time. It's the easiest because I know I'm going to be okay in a way that I didn't in the past because life experience is everything and there's no substitute for that. So the way I left my first relationship when I was 22 and thought it was the end of the world and it was so emotional and I was going to die and I was never going to meet anyone again, as you do when you're young and dramatic, this is my third relationship, my third serious relationship. I know I'm not going to die. I know I'm going to be okay. I know at some point I'm going to wake up one day and just be like over it and ready to move on in other ways. And one day I'll meet someone that also excites me and I have feelings for, you know, like I know that in a way that when I was 22, first time around, I didn't fucking understand. So it's the easiest in that way. And it's the hardest at the same time because I'm older. I'm an adult. I met this man when I was 26. And uh, now that I'm leaving the relationship officially, like we're living separately, I'm 30 years old. That's a big your 20s is a fucking wild ride. I'm a completely different person mentally and emotionally. I have the same tendencies. I have the same personality, but I'm an adult now. I wasn't an adult at 22. And I wasn't an adult at freshly 26 the way I am at 30 when I met this person. So I've grown with that person in the relationship. And it's the hardest because I'm so much older, because there's so much experience behind me, because I know how valuable the love and the relationship that we had is. And I'm never going to wake up the way I do at 30 and think, oh, that relationship at 22, it hurt. It was, it was crazy, but it, you know, it wasn't really that serious because I wasn't that serious. Well, I am that fucking serious now. I wasn't talking about a 22 seriously. Oh, I want to get married. I want to buy the house with you. What the fuck did I know? I wanted an apartment, you know? In this relationship, we spent four years talking about and fantasizing building a life together. We were building a life together in our minds. We picked out where we would get married, what our wedding would look like, how that situation would go, what funny interactions would be had between this person and my family and this person and his family, what the dynamic of the two of them talking at our wedding would be like. Two people who don't even know each other exist in real life at this point. We talked about where we wanted to live, what kind of house we wanted to live in, furniture, art on the walls, an, an office and a library for you because he is such an avid reader and has a fucking collection of books. He's like an encyclopedia, that mind of his. And 
where he would work from home because he's studying for a coding job and all this stuff. And I want a at home studio off office hybrid. And maybe if we don't have that much money yet, we'll split it the room in half. And one side will be your office and one side will be my studio setup, like what I have right now behind me. And we'll figure it out. And we had a conversation really early on and I had said that I don't want kids. And he had said that he wanted kids and that that was really important to him. And I was like, well, I don't fucking want that. (laughs) And as the relationship progressed and as I fell more in love with him. I started to want those things because he wanted it. I started to think, well, I could compromise and I could have one kid, you know, and he was talking about doing that when, before he was 40, which at that point gave us another eight years. And I was like, well, by the time I'm 30, whatever, whatever that gap was, you know, I could see, I could do that at that age and I'll compromise with you. I'm only having one and it has to be a boy. (laughs) So we have to get a surrogate and we have to be able to pick the gender because if it's not a boy, I don't fucking want it. There's only boys in this house. My dog was a boy. My cat is a boy. No girls allowed. This is a masculine household. I want to be the most feminine bitch around. (laughs) So it started as a compromise, but then as the relationship progressed, it became something that I really wanted with that person because I loved him so much and it was so important to him that it became important to me and visualizing sharing something like that with the person that I really thought I was going to spend my life with became something I actually wanted. And it's crazy because anyone who knows me knows I've been saying forever, I'm the fun uncle and I don't want the kids. I don't want the responsibility. I want to be selfish. I want to get up and go. By the time I can afford to live my life the way I want to, I want to travel. I don't want to be tied down or held back. And I meant that. And then I started talking about how I was going to do the opposite and I really wanted that. And just these past couple of weeks, um, someone at my job, you know, my niece is three now, so she's like running around and being crazy and I love it, but she's not a baby anymore, you know? And someone at my job brought in their baby who's like, I think like four or five months old and I was holding her and she was so cute and she was in this cute little outfit and she's a little Salvadorian baby and she's got like the cute little tan skin and she's just adorable big eyes dark eyelashes you know those fucking latin babies they those people make cute ass babies the dark hair and the light eyes and the caramel skin and i'm holding her and she smells like a baby and i'm walking around with her and she's touching my face and i made a joke and i was like i should get one of these and somebody was like it's not a fucking chihuahua you can't just get one it's not an accessory and i feel like i looked at her And that whole situation of that relationship and those things that I just described ran through my head. And I'm looking into the eyes of this cute little baby who's smiling at me. And is she smiling at me because she likes me? Or is she smiling at me because she's shitting in her diaper? And it's just the face she makes when she is relieving herself. But I chose to believe it was because we had a a little momentary connection. And she realized that I'm good energy because I am as nasty as I am a great person. (laughs) And she was connecting to me. And I looked at her. And I feel like I mourned the loss of something that I never even really wanted. And I don't think I realized how much I wanted it with that person until that moment. And then I had to grieve the loss of it because I will never have it with that person. And because I won't have it with that person, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to want it again. And I might meet someone in the future that's great and I, I want to be with. And hopefully at that point in my career, I'll be at a level and a place that I don't want those things again because I have too many other things to do. So 
I almost feel like the window is closed for that because it wasn't with that person. And those feelings all came at me like really quick and hit me like a fucking ton of bricks. So uh, that was crazy. And I just feel like I've been in such a low place now. For the past few months, I was just having a conversation with a good friend of mine. And I was like, listen, I feel like I'm really at rock bottom. Like I feel anxious. And I'm a person who does not suffer from anxiety. I am not anxious. I'm very confident. I'm very good at walking into a room full of people I don't know and making friends and being personable. Nothing makes me anxious except finances. (laughs) And I had this situation last week where I went to a birthday party at a bowling alley. And I was fine the whole car ride with Rachel. And we got there and I walked in and I saw all the people and the noise and I got weird. I felt this like overwhelming sense of pressure that just like fucking hit me like a weight and was crushing me. I wanted to not talk to anyone. I wanted to get out of there. I avoided socializing and really saying too many hellos. And I went right to the bar and got a drink because alcohol has been my coping mechanism. I was just weird for like a half hour and then I had a drink and then I had a, I was on my second and I finally felt all right enough to socialize. And I think it's like a combination of so many things where like I'm 30 years old now. I'm not where I want to be yet. I know I'm going to get there, but that doesn't feel good still in the moment that I'm like living on being confident about a dream that's not guaranteed, but I know is going to happen. But what about if it doesn't and all that self-doubt and you know i know people think i'm silly because i'm like not a fucking you know the nutty professor when it comes to my weight but you know i gained like 25 pounds and i don't look or feel in my clothes or when i look at myself the way that i feel confident and i already have enough insecurities about my skin it's pretty much the only fucking thing i'm insecure about i'm cool on myself as a person i'm very confident in myself all of my insecurities are like dumb physical shit that eat at me. And I'm already insecure enough about that. And now I don't feel good because I don't like the way I look because of the weight. And I know exactly what I have to do to change that. And it, I could have done it five times over in, in all the time that I've been talking about how I need to do something about it and letting myself get worse by poor choices and bad habits like drinking and eating shit food and just being fucking depressed like that is being depressed right like you wake up and you don't want to get up and you oversleep and you stay up too late and you overthink and you make choices that you know are not going to get you to where you want to go but you don't fucking care in the moment and then you feel worse the next day because you're like i'm inhibiting myself i have made all these poor choices that are leading me further down the path that i don't want to go what the fuck am i doing why am i doing this it's fucking crazy Depression is an insane thing. And I'm not like clinically depressed where it just happens all the time, but I have a little tendencies to get depressed. And this is like the worst it's ever been. And if for some reason um, life is really a simulation and everything is pre-planned and the government knows that I'm going to be who I'm going to be in the next few years regarding my career and they want to kill me off to stop it. I am not suicidal. I am not harming myself. I am not going to harm myself. I'm not going to kill myself. I'm not going to drive my car off a bridge or into a wall. Although I do have thoughts of it sometimes when I've had enough. I'm like, I should just drive my car off the bridge. I won't. I am not a person who is going to commit suicide. So if the simulation is real and the government is trying to stop me from reaching my full potential, you know it was Hillary Clinton. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I'm just fucking with you. But I'm not going to kill myself. But depression is a crazy real thing and 
this is the worst I've ever experienced it. And it's crazy because the relationship ending is really only a part of it. There's a lot of things going on in my life leading me down that path and feeling as bad as I do. That has nothing to do with that. It's just my own life circumstances and my own life choices that are eating at me. But luckily, I'm aware of it. I know it's happening. I'm not in denial. I'm aware that it is my own doing and these things are fixable. And I have to start taking the steps to feeling better and being more healthy in a lot of ways. And I will do that. And then in a few months, my life will look different in the ways that I'm unhappy with. And then I will feel better. And at that point, I'll be far enough out of the relationship where I'll be starting to get over those feelings, you know? So that's that long-winded story. I also feel like in conclusion of the relationship stuff, I've been having conversations with friends recently about the gay community, right? And I feel like you don't really get the way gay guys are unless you're in it. I can explain it to you. You can see parts of it, but nobody understands it the way other gays do, the way the dating world works, the way the the way the dynamic is between gay. Nobody really gets it unless you're really in it. And I've been explaining it so much in such detail and why I feel the way I do about my fears to my best friend, Rachel, so much recently that I feel like she's really starting to get it now. It's just a different world. I don't go to gay clubs. I don't go to gay bars. And I know you're like, but Mickey, you were just a a bunch of gay clubs and a bunch of gay bars on your Instagram in 2022. At the end, you were going. Yeah, I know. I went like twice this year and I had very positive experiences unlike the other two. So I'm 50-50. But for some reason, these men just feel like they can talk to you, treat you, grab you however the fuck they want in that environment. Not everyone, but a lot of people. Because it's like an unspoken fucking agreement that you sign when you walk in the door that you want to be treated like a fucking meat rack. And I'm just not that kind of person. And I don't begrudge people sexual freedom if you're being safe and and you're not lying to somebody and hurting them by fucking cheating like a loser. I don't want to be in an open relationship, but I don't judge people who are honest with each other and that works for them. Good for you. I'm not. It doesn't matter to me. But these are things that I don't want that are so common, right? So I don't go to Fire Island. And I know you're like, oh, but Mickey, you went to Fire Island, you got arrested, and you go every year, and then you make videos about it. So why are you lying? I don't go to Fire Island. Yes, I was arrested there. (laughs) Watch that video on my Instagram if you haven't seen it. It's very funny. But I don't go to the fucking Fire Island Pines. I don't go to Cherry Grove. It's not my thing to go anywhere the gays collect. It's always trouble for me in one way or another. There's plenty of other parts of Fire Island I go to with my family. My point is, there is a lot of promiscuity, cheating, open relationships in the world in general, in people in general, in all types of different couples. I feel like it's heightened in the gay community. I feel like we're having these conversations now about open relationships and polyamorous relationships and all this stuff. That's been going on openly in the gay community long before it was going on everywhere else. We're always ahead of the straights. I'm, I'm sorry. Like the gays are always ahead of their fucking time, you know? So that stuff is so common and so accepted in the gay community that I feel like more times than not, people are into or okay with certain things that I'm not looking for in a relationship. Do you see the non-judgment there? 
People are into and okay with things that I am not looking for in a relationship. I am traditional in the relationship sense, which is crazy for me to say because I'm a big fat fag who blows men. But I, in a relationship, want to be with somebody who doesn't want to sleep with other people, wants to be in a committed relationship, doesn't need to go out to gay bars and, and clubs and Fire Island and be around a bunch of other fucking gays and thongs and fairy wings. It's just not that lifestyle and that scene is not for me. So I feel like the type of guys that I like, which are masculine, tall, <laughs> masculine, but out and not like secretly in the closet, fucking cheating on their girlfriends on Grindr with boys. Girls, if you have a boyfriend who you think might be a homosexual, get in his phone. Like I told you before, go to the app store. Okay. Go to the fucking app store. Search grinder and if somebody has downloaded an app before it is not going to look the same as if it has never been installed in their phone if it has never been installed in their phone from the app store it's going to say get and that's what you click to download the app if it has been in their mother fucking iphone downloaded from the app store before it's going to be a motherfucking cloud with a motherfucking arrow in the middle which tells you that motherfucker has had grinder in his phone before so ladies search your man's app store to see if he's been talking to boys because it's more common than you think i'm exposing the men today they are cheating on their women, their girlfriends, their wives with children. You disgusting pigs, okay? Get a divorce. Come out of the closet. Grow up. It's 2023. Let's move on with this in the closet bullshit, okay? And if you are going to be in the closet and an undercover brother, you should do so single, you little motherfucker, you nasty bitch. Also, look in your man's phone for Reddit. And if he has it, go on it and look at the comments and the posts that he's left. Mm, whoop whoop because they are in the reddit threads i have seen them wieners everywhere talking about how they're cheating on their women anyway so the kind of guys i like masculine out not into like the gay scene bullshit not trying to have open relationships and sex with a bunch of people when you're in a committed relationship not liars and cheaters whatever i feel like every check on the list of things that i want in men it's already a smaller pool of guys because it's, you're looking for gay men, right? It's already a smaller pool of guys because I'm looking for masculine men. It's already a smaller pool of guys because I'm looking for guys who aren't into certain things on the weekends. And I feel like every time I talk about something I want in a guy, the pool for me gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And I know, I know you guys are like, well, Mickey, you're in New York and there's so many men and there's so many gays that even your small pool is so many people. Yeah, well, I don't know where the fuck to find them, okay? My point is, it took me 26 years to find someone that fit all those, those boxes and checked all those marks and lined up with me morally and lined up with me for what I wanted in a relationship and what, what I was looking for. And it still wasn't enough. It still had contents that broke the relationship. So I'm thinking to myself, it took me that, all that time to find that. Am I going to find all that in, in one person again? So I feel like I left that relationship with those thoughts, thinking to myself, people spend their entire lives searching for the kind of love and the kind of connection that I had. And some people never find it and they never experience it. And they, they, they die having never had what I had with another person. And 
not everyone, but there are people who look for that their whole life and they don't find it. They make bad choices. They settle with people because they want that so bad and they want to make someone into that. And it's just not. So how lucky am I to have genuinely experienced that to such a max level, max capacity for four years? And if I don't find it again, at least I had it. And I'm not being dramatic and saying, oh, I'm going to be alone forever. I'm not going to meet someone. I'm sure I'm going to meet plenty of people in my life going forward. But if I don't have that again, and I don't have that happy ending-ish that we planned together, at least I got to experience it. You know, I'm grateful for that. And it answered the age-old question for me, is love enough? Because I've talked a lot recently about unconditional love. I don't think that love is unconditional. I think that's a bunch of bullshit. Everything has conditions. Every agreement, which a relationship, a marriage, a partnership is a fucking agreement that you are making, that you are setting rules, for lack of better word, that you're going to follow. And when you break them, there are consequences. There is no such thing as unconditional love. And that's been brought up to me a lot about like, well, if you are committed to someone and you love them, you stick through everything. Not everything. I'll stick through a lot. If I told you the fucking stories of some relationships and people in my life and things I've stuck through, you wouldn't even fucking believe it. A lot of you bitches would be running out the door a lot sooner. So I think that's all bullshit. Everything has a condition. Every relationship has a condition. My relationship with my family has conditions. You will not treat me a certain way and find me sticking around for more. Absolutely not. Everything has fucking conditions. And there are certain things that I'm not willing to deal with and I'm not willing to accept, and I'm not willing to continue to allow this close to me to affect me, my life, my mental health, my, my happiness, my well-being, my living environment. And that goes for anyone. I'm not talking specifically about this past relationship. That goes for anyone in my life. There are things I will not accept. And if you continue to bring those things to the table, you are out. There is no such thing as unconditional love. There is always a fucking condition. One of my conditions is cheating. I don't care how sorry you are. I don't care what the explanation is. I don't care how it happened. I don't care that you accidentally fell over and your dick was in someone because they were laying down. You're out. Cheating. Goodbye. That is a condition. There is no world for me personally where you will come to me and tell me, I cheated on you. I did this. I will respect you for the honesty. I won't rip you apart on this show. <laughs> Or my Instagram, the way I did fucking stimulus check. But I will not be with you. It, it's I will not accept that. If I have had the self-control for 30 years in three major long-term relationships, both when I was less mature at 20 and as an adult now at 30, if I've managed to not cheat on people and to leave the relationship when I decided I wanted to do other things or I was less interested or I was unhappy. And I know everyone will say, but not everybody cheats because they're unhappy. I don't care. That is a condition. And experiences I've had these past few years, I've asked myself, is love enough? Well, on your worst day with this person, in the worst situation, is love enough for you to stick through anything and everything? Is love unconditional? Is love enough? And for me, the answer is no. Love is not enough. I have loved this person for four years more than I thought I could ever love another person. And there are certain things that have gone on and certain thoughts in my head and, and, and things I've seen play out in a potential future 
that love's not enough for me. Let's quickly talk about my tips for getting through a breakup since I've been going through it for technically six months, seven months, but really since we haven't been living together, just about a month or two. Okay, my first tip is stock the house with comfort stuff. If you are about to be in a breakup, you're in a breakup, you know the person's moving out, you're moving out, stock wherever you are staying with comfort stuff, whether that's a certain snack, whether it's certain movies, whether it's certain music. I I don't know. My thing's candles, right? Like I love like low lighting. I've got this shit going on behind me with like LED lights. I'm really into like mood lighting, low lighting, and I love candles. I love a great scent candle. If you were in the market to buy me a gift, I love vanilla candles. <laughs> I love that scent. I love anything fruit scented. I've got a salt lamp that dims. All my lights in my house are on dimmers. I love candles. I love pine in the winter. I love cinnamon, apple cinnamon in the fall. I love that shit. So candles lit make me feel comfortable, low lighting, clean house, light my candles up. I feel good. So whatever is going to make you feel comfortable in the space that you're staying or and or living is what you need to stock up on. Second, if you are breaking up with somebody that lived in your apartment the way that I did, get rid of everything that fucking belongs to them, reminds you of them or that they bought you, okay? If there are certain things that you cannot bring yourself to get rid of just yet, which is what happened to me. I had a few little things that weren't even like gifts or anything. It was like a Valentine's Day card with a personal written message and certain pictures that I know I don't have in my phone or online somewhere that like these were special moments. I'm not ready to throw that out and never see it again. However, you absolutely cannot leave those things out around your living space where you're reminded of it every time you fucking look at that. Every time you get up to go take a piss and you see that fucking thing, you're going to lose your mind all over again. Put that somewhere. I put all that stuff in a box and I put it in my spare closet that I never go into unless I need the fucking vacuum. And I put it all the way in the back, out of sight, out of mind. But I know it's there because I'm not ready to sort through it and remove it just yet. Everything else everything that belongs to that person, everything that was purchased by that person, with the exception of my one really big amethyst crystal, because I cannot afford how much that costs right now to get a new one. And that doesn't really remind me of that person anyway. It's just beautiful. Um, But everything else, get rid of. If there's a chair or the couch that really was that person's, that like that person belonged to it and it belonged to them, throw it the fuck out, okay? Throw it the fuck out. I don't care if you have to sit on the motherfucking floor because you can't afford to replace it just yet. Get it the fuck out. Because if you don't do it now, you will keep making excuses for yourself as to why you can't afford to get rid of it, why you have to keep it, why it doesn't make that much sense to get rid of it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it all. Goodbye. Unless it's like the toilet or the sink (laughs) or the shower that reminds you of your fucking ex, there's no helping you there. Number three, and maybe the most important, prepare yourself before you start talking to people about your breakup, people close to you in your life, that they are going to give you the bullshit cliche lines of things like, but not limited to, it's going to get better. You're going to be fine. He was an asshole anyway, which nobody said that to me about my ex. I'm just making things up. I don't want to send that message like this is what people are saying to me. 
It's just in general, this is what people say there, cliche bullshit lines. Everything gets better with time. You need a hobby. You need to fill your time, whatever it is, even though I'm going to suggest that to you in a minute. Understand that people don't know what to say to you. And a lot of people are not socially intelligent and they are socially a little awkward or anxious. They may not know what to say or they may have a lot to say because they think it's good advice and they think they're helping you. Understand that most people who say those things to you have great intentions and they can't understand because they're not actually going through it that that's not what you fucking need right now. So understand before you start talking to people and opening yourself up to people about the situation that you're going to hear some shit that you're like, I don't want to fucking hear this. Fuck this shit. So maybe on the days where you're at max level of no time for people's bullshit, kind of take a step back and stay to yourself until you're ready for that and understanding in your mind, these people are going to say this bullshit to me and I just got to be like, I don't want to hear it right now. Or yeah, okay. You know, like it's going to happen. Number four is what I just said people shouldn't say to you. Fill your time. Don't sit past a certain point. I told you I gave myself two days. That's aggressive to feel sorry for myself. Sit around. This breakup, it's been like waves, you know? Sometimes I wake up feeling really great. It's a crapshoot. Sometimes I wake up, I feel like I want to fucking die and get back into the vodka I was drinking the night before. But I can't do that because I got to go to work. I'll have to wait till I get home. (laughs) Like as soon as I click stop on this recording and pour a motherfucking vodka. Fill your time with things when you get past a certain point and you're working through the emotion, the worst part of it, and distract yourself. Do things on your days off. If it doesn't always have to cost money, you know, like do something at home. I felt really good after I purged my apartment and I got rid of some stuff, not even just stuff that belonged to him or the relationship. It's just stuff I needed to get rid of in general to organize and put my space back together. And now I look around and I'm like, everything's neat and organized. I feel good about that. It feels like my apartment and my apartment only because all of the together stuff is pretty much gone, you know? And now I want to do things on my day off. I have to record and edit and produce this podcast. That's something that's filling my time and distracting me from the fact that I'm going through a breakup, even though I just spent two hours on this podcast talking about the breakup and I'm going to spend hours more editing the conversation. But previous to this conversation, other episodes I've done since, I'm not talking about that. So I'm kind of distracted. Go for a walk, go for a run, go to the gym if that's your thing. Fill your time with things that are going to make you feel like you are being productive or are distracting, but aren't working to your detriment. You know, like I've been drinking a lot at night. I've been drinking vodka all the time. Luckily, I can handle my fucking booze. So it's okay. And I'm not an alcoholic. However, that's not productive, especially when I'm talking about wanting to get back in the gym and wanting to get in shape. Like I shouldn't be drinking at all, really, but I shouldn't be drinking as much as I am. So don't do things like that that distract you, but aren't productive or like adding something, some kind of value, learning a skill, doing a craft. That's like good distraction, you know, reading a book. Don't do things that aren't productive. Number four, I think we're on, hopefully. Take a day. Plan your life accordingly to know that I'm going to go through this weird time and I'm going to need to like chill sometimes. So if you're in the kind of workforce where you have sick days or vacation days, plan out accordingly, maybe with a calendar, like, all right, if I really feel like I need a day, I only have this many days to use because I really have let's say 10 days, but I only want to use two or three of those because I want to go on this weekend trip here that I plan that I already am planning on using my days for. 
I might actually get sick and I only have five sick days, so I don't want to use more than two. Plan that stuff out because you are going to have a day or two during this grieving process, moving away from the relationship that you feel like, today I just can't. Today I just can't. Today I just can't go to work. Today I just can't exist. Today I can't just go food shopping. I just want to die on the couch and watch movies and whatever. Plan for those days because you're going to have them and allow yourself to have those. It's okay. It's important. It's part of the healing process. Number five, find a breakup album. (laughs) I was so heavy into Willow Smith coping mechanism as an album. You've heard me talk about it a million times. I know everyone's not into music the way that I am, but like if music doesn't help you when you hear it and it doesn't connect to you or relate to you in that situation, I don't know who the fuck you are. You're weird. But that album has had a resurgence in my life because it has a lot of breakup tendencies and content. And I'm like enjoying it in a whole new way. Certain songs when I'm feeling what I'm feeling and I'm like, yes, that's how I feel. Let's sing it. Let's scream it out. Besides Willow, I'm not like a Selena Gomez kind of guy, kind of gay, but I do love the Rare album and the title track Rare. That's a great like upbeat breakup song. Like, yeah, I'm not really feeling this motherfucker and I'm leaving and I left and just so you know, I'm that bitch. Like, it's a feel good one. Those are good too. I'm listening to a lot of Omar Apollo, love him to death. Obviously, Rufus Dussault, hello, like Solace. I wore this fucking hoodie for a reason. It represents some shit in my life. You know, it's like my fucking holy Bible. Their discography is my version of the New Testament. <laughs> Tone Stith is a favorite of mine right now. That good soulful R&B, like that puts me where I need to be either in the feels or feeling like some sex vibes. I don't know. Not yet, but we're getting there. Tori Kelly, I talked about her before. She's another fucking favorite of mine. Number six, I think. If you feel like you want to text your ex and you're not really texting, speaking on the normal, or you feel like you want to say some spicy shit, and it's late at night, and you may have been drinking, late at night in general, when you're in your weird weird place, but also especially if you've been drinking or if you're out and drinking, do not respond. Do not send that text. Wait until the morning, and if you still want to send it, if you still want to say what the fuck you got to say with your chest, then you should do it. But if it is late at night and you've had a long day and you are emotional, maybe you're drinking, maybe you're out, maybe on your couch and you're like, I'm going to tell this motherfucker. I'm going to let this motherfucker know right now what I think. Don't do it. I've been doing that because I've had moments where I've been sad. I've had moments where I've wanted to send some like sex shit. I've had moments where I've wanted to go off and I tell myself. Do not do this right now. It's four o'clock in the morning. You've had three vodkas. You just watched an emotional movie about someone who wasn't shit in their relationship. And you are feeling things that are not really about this person. And then if they are, they're in the moment feelings. So shut the fuck up for a second. Go to bed. And when you wake up tomorrow hungover and you still want to say what the fuck you had to say, you should. But if you don't, What was the point? If you wake up the next day and you regret that you just texted them in general or you regret what the fuck you said, what was the point? What was the point of that? So if you are feeling emotional or drunk, (laughs) angry, whatever, 
take some fucking time and evaluate if you really need to say what you need to say. And if you wake up the next day and you're like, thank God I didn't fucking say that, you're welcome. You're welcome for giving you that fucking tip because I've learned that the hard way. It's taken me a lot of years to get here. Number seven, I don't know, was it six or was it seven? This kind of ties into the last one. And that is write letters that you don't send. And I know you're like, Mickey, that sounds so gay and cliche and fucking stupid. What are you, a therapist? No, I'm not a therapist. I'm actually fucking certifiably insane. However, I've learned that sometimes you need to get it out, but it doesn't always have to be directed at the person that you wanted it to be, especially if it's some dark shit, especially if it's like some real angry or emotional shit. Your later might be like, fuck, I wish I didn't say that. So there's been some extreme situations in my life where I've either written a letter to someone or I've written that letter in like my iPhone notes and I just let it go. And then I forgotten about it because it never was that fucking serious to begin with. And then I come across it later and I'm like, holy shit. Imagine if I said all these things to this fucking person. I probably would be worse. I forgot about it because I never sent it and I got it out and then I didn't care that much anymore. But if I had actually said some of those things to whoever that person was at the time, I probably would always remember it because I would have felt terrible, you know? So try to avoid reacting in the moment, which is what I talked about earlier, emotionally, when sometimes shit's not that serious after the you calm down, after you move yourself out of that headspace, which is natural. It's not that serious anymore. And if it is, then it's absolutely what you should say. If the next day, two days, or you find that letter three months later and you're like, I should have said what the fuck I said because I meant it and I still feel it. Well, then you should say it. And whatever happens, happens because you sat with it, you thought about it, you calmed down and you still felt strongly about it. That's worth talking about. But the things that in the moment when you're flipping out in your own head, it's just not that serious, probably. I promise you, it's not that serious. Trust me, I've learned the hard way throughout my 20s. I used to be quick to go off on a motherfucker. I used to be quick to talk now and think later. And all it got me was in trouble and feeling bad about it. With the exception of a few times where I really told a motherfucker who he was and it felt good. <laughs> and I didn't regret it for a goddamn second. Okay, tip number eight, maybe. I think we're at eight for your breakup and how to get through it and how to handle it is the most important one. This is the last one. It is the most important. Please listen to me right now. This is the most fucking important thing I have said this entire episode. And I know you guys are like, Ricky, you've shot so much in these probably two hours and you don't shut the fuck up. What do you mean this is the most important? Isn't everything you said important? Yeah, don't I wish that everybody that listened to this podcast felt like everything I said was fucking important. The joke's on me. However, this is the most important thing that I have said this episode, the last tip I'm giving you for your breakup and how to handle it. Prioritize yourself. There are going to be a million people. Everyone grieves a loss differently and a relationship is a loss and you are grieving it, especially the longer you've been together, the more time and and possessions and energy and money and kids and all the shit you have behind you, you're going to grieve the loss of that relationship. It feels like a death, especially if you're the kind of person where you're like, I can't speak to them. I can't see them. I got to like take some time. Done. Prioritize yourself. There's going to be a million people who want things from you. There's going to be your fucking Aunt Sally who's been planning her birthday party for the last four months, even though she's goddamn 62. And who the fuck gives a shit about the number 62, bitch? 
Get over it. It's your birthday. You're old. No one cares anymore. We don't need to celebrate. I'll give you a call. I'll send you a card. I'll bring you a gift at fucking Thanksgiving. Shut the fuck up. I don't need to come to your birthday party. But maybe you really love Aunt Sally and you want to go celebrate her birthday because you care about her. But you wake up the day before Aunt Sally's birthday or the morning of Aunt Sally's birthday. Who the fuck has an Aunt Sally? Not me. And you think to yourself, God, I just cannot fucking do it today. One of those days I was talking about before where you need to take the sick day or you need to take the, the vacation day, that also counts in life. It's not just about work. Sometimes I need to take a sick day or I need to take a vacation day from obligations I have to other people because I just can't do it. And I have spent the majority of my life and my 20s being the person who just hides my emotions naturally, not even like it hurts to do it. And I'm like, I'm fine. Woo, I'm the funny guy. Everything's great. I don't know what's happened, but for some reason right now in this stage of my life, I can't do that anymore. I wear it on my face. Everybody fucking sees that I'm not in a good place. I can't hide it for some reason. I don't know why I want to, but it's just not working. I need to take days sometimes. It's a sick day or a personal day from fucking people and my life. And I just want to talk to no one. The last thing I want to do is be at Aunt Sally's birthday party. The last thing I want to do is go have lunch with that friend that I canceled on last week and I don't want to cancel on again this week. Cancel. In this situation, while you are in the thick of it and you are in the process of trying to heal and trying to feel better and everything just feels like a fucking task, cancel on the friend. Cancel on the friend. And if there's someone close enough to you that you can express, express it to them. Express that I am just not in the place today. I am taking a personal day from everyone, including you. And if they're not close enough to you for you to explain that and for them to understand it and be receptive, then you probably don't need to fucking go to lunch with them anyway. What the fuck does that matter? You know, like if it's your goddamn coworker that hasn't worked at the place you are in seven months and you've only spoken twice, cancel on that bitch anyway. I don't care if you're feeling fine. If you want to go fuck someone else, you want to go fuck some guy that you just met on Tinder and you feel bad because you canceled on that bitch last week, cancel on that bitch. What does she matter? You haven't talked to her more than twice in seven fucking months since she left your job anyway. Cancel on that bitch and go fuck that new guy. That could be the best dick you had of your life. And you're missing out on that for what? To have lunch with this bitch who's texted you twice in the past seven months because you canceled on her last week? Bitch, who gives a fuck? Cancel on that motherfucking bitch. Prioritize yourself. There's nothing more important than putting yourself and your emotions first. Because if you don't, you're going to end up doing a bunch of shit that you don't want to do because you don't feel like you're in the place to do it. And you're just going to hurt yourself more. You're just going to be upset, angry, anxious, whatever it is, resentful at the people that you showed up for because you had to show up for them. Now listen, if your sister's husband, your brother-in-law passes away unexpectedly, all of a sudden nobody can believe it and you wake up the day of the fucking wake and you're like, oh my God, I just can't today. I just can't do it. I got to take, Mickey, Mickey Dillon told me I need to take a personal day when I'm feeling like I'm not up to it. Bitch, that's not the day. That's not the day to take the personal day. That is the day to be like, oh, I'm going to fake it. I'm going to pretend everything's great and I'm going to show up with my fucking somber morning face on and my black outfit and I'm going to mourn the loss of this motherfucker for the next three days because why we take three days to do two wakes, two sessions a day and a fucking burial. I don't know, American culture. That's not the day to take the fucking sick day, okay? If your dog needs to go to the vet because he's been vomiting on the floor for the past 48 hours, that's not the day to take the sick day and say, oh, I just can't handle life today. Go to the vet with your fucking dog. You know, be reasonable. 
use some rationality, use that big fucking fat brain of yours you got in your head, you know, and like manage, manage your own expectations and, you know, make, make, make good choices, as Jamie Lee Curtis would say in Freaky Friday, <laughs> which is apparently getting a sequel, but we'll talk about that at another time. Use your judgment and don't fucking miss out on really important things, you know? I skipped a friend's baby shower, and this is the last story I'll tell today because I've talked enough. I skipped a friend's baby shower just last week because I, it was one of those days I just couldn't. And I, I talked to her. I meant to text her the day before. So like, I wasn't really going to the baby shower. I was going to like the after party-ish thing where the guys kind of show up at the end and then everyone comes together and then you have some drinks and then you go somewhere and like the smaller crew of people go somewhere. That's what I was going to. I wasn't going to the actual baby shower, but it was the day of the baby shower. You would show up there. The guys helped the women bring the presents out. You're like a part of of the thing, you know? I meant to text her the night before and said I couldn't make say I couldn't make it. And I forgot. And I texted her in the day of in the morning and I was like, "Hey, I'm so sorry. Like I'm not going to make it. I forgot. I meant to text you. Um, you know, let's talk. Call me this week." And she was fine. She was like, "No big deal. No big thing, whatever." But I don't feel good about that right now. And I've been thinking about it a lot since it happened. Like that's not something I should have taken a personal day for. That's something that I should have showed up for regardless of how I felt, regardless of how I felt about what's going on, regardless of how I felt about myself when I tried on an outfit three days before and I thought I looked like a whale and I didn't want to be seen by people that I haven't seen in a year. It, all that stupidity that now, a week later, doesn't matter, but the significance and the importance of feeling like I didn't show up for that person in that moment doesn't feel okay, that was stupid. So use your judgment and find out what exactly is the appropriate time to take your personal day from whoever or whatever it is. But nonetheless, I stand on prioritize yourself in a time like this, when you're going through this, if anyone else is going through this, there is nothing more important than putting yourself first. You already put yourself first if you were the one who left the relationship. So why would you do anything different now that you don't have a significant other to answer to or worry about? It's all about you. I would say that's all I've got for you guys today, but is that all? Because that was like hours of, of bullshit. I am exhausted. I both feel like I need to die on the floor because I am exhausted and like 400 pounds was just lifted off my fucking chest. The moral of the story is life sucks and then you die. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just fucking with you. As usual... If you have listened to this goddamn heavy ass shit and I, God, it's got to get lighter next week, but it won't because we got a part two of this coming. We got a whole nother breakup situation to talk about. It is a part two continuation of this episode in a different style. So it won't be boring. It won't be like you just listen to the same fucking thing. However, if you have listened to this whole goddamn shit and you have not left a five-star review after that fucking shit that I just dropped on you, the wisdom that was coming out of my mouth, spitting out of this fucking whore mouth, <laughs> was unbelievable. And if you don't value that, that's a you problem. Prioritize yourself and get some help. <laughs> anyway, leave a five-star review if you have the capability to leave a long-winded review that you can write. Besides the five stars, you better fucking do that too, because if you don't, you're a hate-ass bitch. I don't know why you wouldn't, motherfucker. Of course, follow me on Instagram if you're not already. That's fucking weird. Uh, Mickey, not the mouse. Follow the podcast Instagram, which is at Pulse Pounding. 
and I will see you motherfuckers next week. Mickey Not the Mouse is officially back on the market. If you are above the height of six foot and you are an athlete and a rapper who's in the closet and have been rejected from Jeffree Star's DMs, please slide into mine at Mickey Not the Mouse and show me your wiener. Woo! <laughs> Later, hoes. <laughs>